began to I begun to give you a little more room to take notes, um, because the Lord hopefully speaks while I'm speaking, and He may say things that I don't say. And uh, if He does say I don't, I'm gonna I'm gonna say like um, uh, Brother uh, Curtis Silcox said when he preached at our revival this last year. If if I say something that disagrees with what the Holy Spirit says to you this morning. You believe him and not me, okay? He's right and I'm wrong. Uh, if you ever hear anything out of me that is contrary to what uh, the Scripture says, contrary to what Jesus has spoken, um, contrary to what you find uh, in uh, the apostles, uh, you just take their word for it and you disregard mine, okay? And then you come say, hey, I think I don't think that agrees with with." with the scripture and we'll talk about it because I want to be right uh, usually am uh, why is that funny I thought I'll say amen to that there you go thank you Francisco uh, no I want to be right I want to be right I hate being right one of the worst feelings in the world is being wrong it's so rare that every time I am wrong Carrie, Carrie records it you don't record stuff that happens every day you record stuff that Oh, when I admit that I'm wrong. Oh, okay, never mind. I knew it was something like that. Same thing, right? Same thing. I admit it when I'm wrong, and I, yeah, anyway. We're going to be in Colossians again. I'm glad y'all are here. We're going to be in Colossians again. <laughs> yes, it, yes, twice, I believe, since we've been married, right? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, uh, typically, Carrie, Carrie does not do it when I'm wrong. Carrie does it when she's right and I'm wrong. That's when she records it. And uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, yeah. Okay, okay, thank you. Preach, thank you. So, move on. Okay, Colossians two, uh, <clears throat> Colossians chapter two. Colossians again is Paul, the apostle Paul, writing this church he had never been to, and but he that he loves. He loves them. He wants them to grow. He wants them to be healthy. So he's writing to them so that they can be healthy. Basically, how do you, how how can you be healthy uh, as a church? What do you need to do? What's what do you what do I need to do as a Christian? What do I need to do as a church? And he says in verses, we're going to just be looking at six and seven today of chapter two. Um, he says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving that's 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 what we're going to be talking about today when we get through talking about that we're going to quit because that is the beginnings of what Paul is talking about about how to be healthy as a Christian last week we talked about digging deeper digging deeper and so Paul is writing to these people that have a relationship with Jesus a saving relationship with Jesus they are Christians they're born again. They're believers. They're in Christ. And he's telling them what they should do now that they're in Christ. All right? So going, if you remember, uh, uh, so uh, about a year and a half ago when we were in chapter 1, uh, where he said, um, he said, I want to take you from a saving faith to a sanctifying faith. Okay? So how do you get to the point from the point where you are saved to you are sanctified? Okay? So that's kind of where he's leading it. I want you to grow. Remember the goal that he said. What was the goal that Paul says, I want to get you to? You remember? Anybody remember? This is where we're headed. 
Anybody remember? Maturity. Mature in Christ. Okay, I want to present you mature. And, and so, in other words, you're immature right now. You're young. You're inexperienced. And I want you to be mature. So how do you go from being immature to mature? Or how do you mature in Christ? And if I were to ask you that, how do you grow in Christ, you might have a lot of different answers. And, uh, and, and so Paul wrote this, I think, to kind of make it easier so that we would know. I'm going to share this. I was going to share this next week. I'm going to share it today because God kind of confirmed it through Parker Watson this morning. God, you know, if he can speak through a donkey, he can speak through me. He can speak through me, right? He can speak through me. What did y'all, did y'all assume Parker? No. Oh, I'm the donkey, not Parker. No, he probably spoke. I'm just messing with you, Parker. Yeah. Uh, so we went to, first time I ever went to an escape room. Raise your hand if you've ever been to an escape room. Uh, and if I've, Okay, so an escape room, you go, and I want to just ask you, what do you think the purpose of an escape room is? As it's to escape. Good job. It's to escape. That's the goal. So I went into this escape room knowing the end goal to escape. Okay, knowing to escape. Yeah, figured that out. What is the hard part of an escape room? Yeah, escaping. How do you escape? What do you have to do? So the first time Carrie and I ever went to an escape room, I go in not knowing what you're going to have to do to escape. And so I'm like, I bet they've hidden clues all over the room. Okay? You got to figure out the clues. So I go over to... Uh, the timer starts, and I go over to this bookshelf where there's a book called The Life of Pi. The Life of Pi. There's a movie out. It was a book, Life of Pi. And, um, and so I'm like, I bet they've hidden clues in this book. And so I start looking through the book, and there are highlighted things in the book. And so I'm like, okay, that's highlighted. This, is, this note's written down in it. And I spend probably 20 minutes reading The Life of Pi. Because at some point, what's in there is going to be very useful to get us to the end goal, which is escaping. Did you know there was not one single clue in the life of Pi? It was just a prop. It was just on the shelf to be on the shelf. And, and yet I thought, boy, this is going to be good. It's got to be here. There's some good stuff here because it's highlighted. And apparently it was just a book they had gotten at a thrift store that somebody had written notes in and highlighted stuff in. Well, you can do that trying to mature in Christ as well. You can think, boy, this is, this is it. This is how I grow. This is what I'm going to, and, and, and Lord willing, next week we'll talk about some of those things. But, but what Paul wants us to know is I don't want you wasting your time on things that are not going to help you mature in Christ. I want to tell you how to mature. I'm going to tell you how to mature in Christ. And so he gives us verses 6 and 7. He says, um, since you have received Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. What we see in verses 6 and 7, you have certain things in there that you are to do. You are, to, to, you are the doer. You are the subject and you are the you are the actor, I guess, is a better way. Okay, the action needs to be performed by you. Okay, uh, in in English, we don't always have, we can't always tell uh, who's doing the work. In Greek, you could tell because it would tell you the word 
certain letters that they would use or certain endings or beginnings, you would know if, if you're doing the work or somebody else is doing the work. You would know if you're doing it now or if you did it in the past or if you were going to do it in the future or you did it in the past and you're still doing it now, okay? They would include those kind of, uh, um, um, what is it? Markings. Markings in the Greek word. We don't have that. So it's confusing. So you can read verses 6 and 7 and think you've got to do all that. In other words, you've got to walk in Christ. You've got to root yourself in Christ. You've got to build yourself up in Christ. You've got to establish yourself in the faith, and you've got to abound in thanksgiving. You can read that and go, I've got to do all that stuff. The reality is all that stuff is not you doing it. All that stuff is not you doing it. There are things in there that God does and only God can do, but there's also things that he's called you to do. And in the Greek, it's obvious who's doing it, and the English is not. So I looked at the Greek, and I found that there are only two things that we are to do. There's one thing we've already done and two things that we are to do. Okay? What is the thing that we've already done? We've received Jesus. You made the choice to receive Jesus. Only you can do that. God does not do that for you. You have to make the decision to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. As Lord. Not simply as Savior. We preach the gospel, and in our minds, the gospel is Jesus saves. That is part of the gospel. That's not the whole gospel. The gospel is Jesus is Savior and Jesus is Lord. That's the gospel. Jesus is not only Savior. Jesus is Lord. What makes Jesus so special is not simply that he is Savior. In fact, if you read in chapter 1 of, of uh, Colossians, Paul spends a whole lot of time and a lot of heavy language declaring to you that Jesus is worthy to be Lord. Not just that he's Savior, but that he's worthy to be Lord. He's worthy to be your master, okay? So what Paul says is those of you who are Christians, you've already received Jesus Christ as your Lord. You've done that already. And then he gives you the first thing that you are to do, active, right now. Not something you've done in the past, but something you do right now. He says, so walk, go back to verse 6 if you would. So walk in him. What? Okay, so that's you. You have to make the, just have you, just as you have chosen to receive him as Lord, okay, now choose to walk in him. What does it mean to walk in him? And the idea is, generally, it means to live in him, okay? In fact, some translations even use live in him. As you have received Jesus Christ as the Lord, so live in him. What in the world does that mean? What does it mean to live in him? Well, Contextually, if you look at what that means, we find that same word in chapter 3 of Colossians. In chapter 3, verses, my notes are so crazy, I can't even find it. Uh, chapter 3, I'll just turn there. Did I put it in your bulletin? Um, yeah, 5 and 5 through 7. Did I put that in your bulletin? 
Yes and no. Okay. Either. <laughs> yeah. Just five. Okay. I meant to put five through seven in there. You got it. Okay. I may not have put six and seven in there. The numbers. Look at it. It's in your Bible, by the way. I guarantee it's in there. If not, get you a new Bible. It's time to put that one away. <laughs> Colossians chapter three. All right. So since this is the same letter, and Paul's not writing chapters. So this is just later on in his letter, he uses this same term. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry, verse 6. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming, verse 7. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. So we see both of those terms there, right? Walking and living. So what does he mean? That we once walked in sexual immorality, we once walked in impurity, we once walked in passion, we once walked in evil desire, we once walked in covetousness. What does he mean that you walked in that? Well, he means in a way that you did those things. That was your behavior. You act, that's how you acted. But it, it's deeper than just you acted that way. The reality is you lived in that, you walked in that. Because you took your commands from those things. You lived your life listening to that voice and doing what that voice said. You lived your life with those things as your master. With those things as your Lord. It wasn't just that you did those things because you were free to do those things. You did those things because you were compelled to because you were a slave to those things. You followed those things not willingly, but you were made to. You were compelled to. That's that's what that, that section, people do some things that they know if they get caught, it's going to cause them to end up in prison or uh, humiliated for the rest of their lives, and they still do them. Why? Because they have to. Because they, they have a slave master. They have a Lord. They have to do it. So he's saying, you once lived in these things. You once walked in them. You once let these things be your master. Going back now to chapter 2, what does he mean when he says walk? In Christ, he says, let Jesus be your master. Now, I want you to see how that connects. Just like you've received Jesus as Lord, master, walk in him. You said, hey, I receive you as Lord. Live like he's your Lord. Well, what does that mean? How do you live like Jesus is Lord? Well, just like you used to do what your sexual uh, immaturity wanted you, what that, your sex drive used to, to cause you, to do, you used to follow that, or your greed, or your lust for whatever, lust of the eyes, flesh, pride of life, however that was, you were pushed by that. Now just let Jesus be your master. How about just living based on what he says? Make that your motivation for why you live. So fill in the blank number one. Here's what you are to do. Here's what you are to choose to do. Work at living with Jesus as your master. Work at living with Jesus as your master. And let me just say, this is a choice you have to make just like you had to choose to receive Jesus as Lord. You can choose not to. You can choose not. Even after receiving him as Lord, you can choose not to. Uh, so he tells you to choose too. Uh, um, well, how do you let Jesus be your Lord and master? What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, it looks like finding out what he said, going to him for what he wants you to do, and then carrying that out. Okay, this is a very uncomfortable term, but slave is a word that Paul uses in the New Testament for our relationship with Christ. 
we're also united with Christ. We're also the bride of Christ. But, but Paul very plainly says, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. He's proud of it. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. And, um, and so there's nothing wrong with that. But, so find out what he said and do it. Ask him what he wants you to do and do it. Okay? Which is the hard part. That receiving him is the easy part. Living it out is the hard part. Why? Because he tells you to do things that that flesh tells you not, not to do or to not do things that your flesh tells you to do. And, and what Paul is saying, hey, just, you, in fact, later on we're going to get to where he says put to death those things. That's a choice you have to make even when Jesus is your Lord. Just because Jesus is your Lord doesn't mean you're going to serve him. You have to make the choice to serve him as he is your Lord. So work at making him your master. What does that look like? That looks like doing the hard stuff that Jesus said. That looks like really loving your enemy. If you want to turn to the Sermon on the Mount, just do those things. Don't let your eyes look at things lustfully. Don't let your eyes look at if you're a man. Don't let your eyes look at a woman lustfully. That's what he says. The law says just don't commit adultery. But I say, don't look at that woman lust, with lust in your heart. If your master tells you not to do that, and you continue to do that, you're not living as if Jesus is your master. Now let me just tell you, as one who had issues with that, and who could still choose to do that, that was hard to do. It was hard to make that choice to live out what Jesus said do but you can do it why because the Holy Spirit is inside of you the answer of how to do that again we've talked about faith is the key faith is the foundation of that convinces you to make the decision to serve Jesus as master faith does that but the reality is since Jesus is your Lord and he says don't look at a woman lustfully don't do that work at that Work it, choose to work it. Don't just go, well, I can't help myself. Now, that's inconsistent with what Jesus said in the New Testament teaches. You can now. That's inconsistent with grace to bring in Romans. Praise God for Romans. We may get back to Romans today. <laughs> in fact, we are. This fits perfectly with Romans. You know why? Romans is the truth. And everything that Paul says is the truth. And it fits. So, <clears throat> So, number one, work at living with him as your master. Learn, oh, again, I, I brought up lust, that's me. Some of you don't have a problem with lust, looking at women lust. I, I, that, that's all right. But you've got something that Jesus said, and you're like, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can love my, I don't know if I can have somebody actively insult me and then be for them. Well, okay, that's hard to do. It's extremely difficult to do. Even when you've received Jesus as your Lord, that's not easy to do. So what Paul says is, based on the fact that you've received Jesus as Lord, and Jesus says, when somebody insults you, do good to them, or persecutes you, do good to them, you live your life like your master says to live your life, and, and do good to them. Okay? Choose to do that. Work at that. That's not easy. It's not going to come natural to you, which is why you have to work at it, which is why you have to make the decision to do it. It's not just going to happen naturally. 
You have to make the decision to live by the Spirit. You're not going to live by the Spirit instinctively. Okay? So work at it. Work at it. Notice he's not saying work at this so that you can be saved. Work at this because you're saved. You've received Jesus Christ as your Lord. Live like he's your Lord. If you're not going to, what was the point of receiving him as your Lord? You really didn't. You, you may think you did. You received him as Savior. You really didn't receive him as Lord. And, and Jesus will not accept one without the other, I'm just telling you. Because he's not just Savior. He's Lord. Peter's message, God has made this Jesus both and Lord. Okay? Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. Yes, Jesus is Lord. Lord. So that's that's the first thing. Now, what is Paul talking about? I want you to fit. remember the end part, the escape room. We need to escape. That's what we that's what the goal is. Well, how do you escape? How do you get mature? He says, first of all, since you've received Jesus as your Lord, how about living like that? How about actually living with him as your Lord? Work at that. Okay? Secondly, he says, now, now the next, next things we read, by the way, God does or has done. Okay? So two things. I'm going to bring them together, but I'm going to, since Paul, put, Paul is great about putting a comma and just throwing all kinds of things in there. And it's so confusing. So I'm going to try to deconfuse it. Let's just face it. Y'all know me well enough. I make, make it more confusing than Paul did. If so, forgive me. You have a Bible. Read it. You can go to Blue Letter Bible or Bible Hub and look at the Greek yourself and see which one is which. But I want to tell you the truth, okay? I've looked this up. I've studied and this is the truth and you can trust it. When he says rooted in him, verse 7, rooted. Rooted is something that God has already done. God did that to you. It is a passive verb, which means you didn't do it, somebody did it to you. And the tense of that verb is something that's already happened. Okay? It's been completed once and for all in the past. So, rooted in Him, God did that to you when you received Jesus Christ as your Lord. He unplanted you from the kingdom of darkness and he planted you in the kingdom of his beloved son, Colossians 1. Okay? He has planted you in Christ. Okay? You have been rooted in Christ by God. You didn't do that because you can't do that. You chose to, by faith, receive Jesus as your Lord. And when you did that, he planted you in Christ. So God, knowing what you need and what he wants to do in your life, of all the things he could have done, he planted you in Christ. Rooted in Christ. There are your roots. Okay, your roots are in Christ. Christ is the ground that you are rooted in. All right? So look at the verse. Uh, built up in him. Now, built up sounds like something that has happened, doesn't it? does. The wording is, it's a present tense verb, which means it's happening right now. It's happening right now. But it's a passive verb, which means somebody's doing it to you right now. So this is not something you do either. You are not building yourself up in Christ. God is building you up in Christ. Okay? I want you to think, what is Paul trying to get at? How do you grow? How do you mature in Christ? 
you have received, you made the choice, you live like Jesus is your Lord, and God will, he's already rooted you, God will build you up. In other words, you can't mature in Christ on your own. God has to do it. God has to do it. But how does God do it? When you receive him as, receive Christ as Lord and then walk in that. Okay? You've already been rooted, but he's building you up now as you do that. All right, so building up, God does that, built up in him. Established in the faith, guess who does that? God does that. God does that. And it's happening right now. It's happening right now. Somebody, it's, 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 it's something somebody's doing to you, and it's happening right now. So two things, one thing in the past for us, what happened for us in the past? What did we do in the past? We received Jesus Christ as Lord, right? All right. What did God already do? Rooted us in Christ, okay? Right now, what are we supposed to do so far? Walk in him. Live like he's our master. As we're doing that, what is God doing? He's building us up in Christ, maturing us, you might say, strengthening us in Christ. He is establishing us in the faith. He's establishing our faith. Did you know when you believe Jesus and you live like you believe in Jesus, you'll start to trust Jesus more? You know why? Because what Jesus said is true, and you find that out when you actually live by it. You find out that not only did he say it would be better, it really is better. You know when you don't find that out? When you hear what he says and you don't do it. <laughs> you have no clue that it's better because you can't say that it's better because you never lived it it's better. But once you live it out, wow, this works. This is what life is supposed to be about. I can testify life is better with living Jesus as your Lord than it is living with you as your Lord following sexual immorality and the like. Okay? So God is building up your faith. He's building up your faith. Remember we said in Romans where he says the righteous shall live by faith. He said the gospel says it's for faith, from faith to faith. You remember that? It's a long time ago when we read that. From faith to faith, that's what he's talking about here. It took faith to receive Jesus as Lord. That takes faith. That's saving faith. Bless you. Sanctifying faith. You're growing in faith. You have more faith because you're living it. That's enough. Bless you. So then that brings us to the last part, abounding in thanksgiving. Guess who does this? We do. We do. This is our part. Okay? Not we've already done it, but we're doing it right now. Okay? This is, this is what we're told to do is, which is weird because the word they said abounding. If I kind of told you, uh, I want you to abounding in thanksgiving. It's kind of a weird a weird term, okay? The reason it's abounding, and by the way, in the Greek, guess what? It's abounding. <laughs> okay, so so it's not just abound, it's abounding. Now, so I'm like, how in the world is it abounding? Why is it not abound? Why doesn't he give us two things that, what? Continuing what? Con yeah, it's continuing, it's connected. It's connect, con ab abounding is connected to something that he said before. You know what it's connected to? Walk in Him. Walk in Him. So in other words, as you're walking in Him, I want you to walk in Him abounding in thanksgiving. I want you to get this. To get this. 
abounding in thanksgiving, growing in thanksgiving, being more and more and more thankful. Thankful at what? Okay. Well, what do you have to choose to do first off? You have to choose. Well, you choose to receive him as Lord. You've already done that. Choose to live with him as your master. Work at that. And at the same time, work at, as you're living with him as your master, being thankful that he is your master. Being thankful that he is your master and for what your master is telling you to do that you're now being able to live out and walk in. Boy, that's a key that a lot of Christians don't have. We can't sin, but we'd surely like to. We'd love to be able to sin like you do, but God said we can't. And we peer over the edge and look at all they're doing. We go, I wish I could do that, but God said we can't do that. <clears throat> so we're actually resentful at you for enjoying stuff. We would, I say, not that you're the sinner, but I'm talking about the world. We're resentful at the world for being able to do stuff that God's done told us we can't do. Instead of going, God, thank you. Thank you for, for saying don't do that. Thank you that I'm not. Because what do we see? We see the commercial. We hear the spiel. You ever been to a timeshare spiel? I ain't going to ask you if you bought one. I, ain't gonna, I don't want you to raise your hand. And you may be loving your timeshare. But when they talk to you about timeshare, they do not tell you the truth. There's a reason they want you to make the decision right there and not give you a couple hours to think about it. Because they're filling you full of what they want you to hear. To trick you. And then they get you. And then the truth comes out. Every year when you have to write that check. And every year when that check's more expensive and more expensive and more expensive. And you would be saving money and you could go to Hawaii for the price. Now you're going to Gatlinburg for a weekend. And I brought that up for a reason, and for the life of me, I can't remember why I brought that up. Spiel. What? Oh, yeah, the lie. Thank you very much. The spiel. The world, the devil, the flesh, really. I, I know the world will teach you, the devil will speak to you, but for me, I put the blame on my flesh. Honestly, my problem was not the devil. My problem wasn't the devil. I'd love to blame it on the devil, but it wasn't him, it was me. Now, he started the lies. He, he's the father of the spiel of the world. But he didn't, I was the one telling myself. I fell into believing it. And then I was the one telling myself, you would be better off if you were doing the things that the world does that God said don't do. And I resented the fact that I couldn't do what the world was doing. Because I'd go to hell for it. Okay? But what a life change when you start believing the truth. And you start seeing that what God has told you to do is the way. That Jesus' way is, really is the way and the truth and the life. We believe the commercials. There's where I was at. We believe the commercials, not the reality. The commercials don't show you the reality. The commercials don't show you the broken marriages, the lost jobs, the addictions bankruptcies they don't put none of that in the commercials it's time to stop listening to the commercials of the world and believing it but seeing through the commercials of the world and going you know what 
it leads to death. That's what Jesus said. He's not trying to lead you away from life. He's trying to lead you into life. And when you believe it, now here's the deal, when you believe it, because I believe that God was telling the truth and resented the truth at the same time. I believed it but resented it. My life changed when I started believing the truth and appreciating the truth and believing that it was good and thanking him for leading me to the way life ought to be lived instead of keeping me from enjoying life. Your responsibility number two, work at appreciating having Jesus as your master. Work at appreciating it instead of resenting him. Appreciate it. That's tough to do. It's tough to do because your flesh will lie, the world will lie, the devil will lie. But I want to tell you, if you can get to that point, and here's the deal, you, it, it's not instinctively. You have to work on it. Work at appreciating it. Work at really believing it and really living it and being thankful that God has called you to live that way, knowing that it's leading to life. Appreciate it. Don't resent him. So those are the two things you do, abounding it and appreciating him more and more. Okay? So those things are connected. He says, I want you, because you've accepted Jesus as Lord, you've received him as Lord, walk in him, live like he's your master, appreciating and I mean I'm sorry abounding in thanksgiving or abounding or growing in your appreciation of him as your master the more I walk with Jesus the more I'm thankful that Jesus is my master and that I'm not my own master anymore it's good to have Jesus as Lord amen it is good and if you're in here and you had that same fight I had and you're in it and you're like man I really want to do these things that I know Jesus is not happy with Believe Jesus and learn to appreciate it. He is the truth. He is the truth. I think I'm going to stop right there. I think I'm going to stop right there. If you learn to live like he's Lord and appreciate him for being Lord, the reason Paul is telling you he wants you to mature, you will grow in maturity, which is the point. And you will be less likely to be deceived by the lie, which is what he said. He said earlier, I'm afraid, I'm concerned about you. Paul said this. We talked about this last week. I'm concerned that you're going to be deceived when people come along and tell you stuff that's not true. And you're going you're gonna to forget how to get out of the room. You're going to forget that you're in the room to escape and, and how to escape. I'm afraid you're going to spend all your time reading the life of Ty instead of looking at what the, the clues really are. If you want to grow and mature in Christ, the way to grow and mature in Christ, you've received him as your Lord. Let him be Lord of your life. Make him the Lord of your life. Live out he's the Lord of your life, which means find out what he said. That's your job to do. It's your job to do. He has said it. It's your job to find out what he said. Okay? And then do it. And thank him that he told you to do that rather than what he what you wanted to do. How many times would we have been saved from destruction, damage, if we would have just believed Jesus and followed what he said rather than following what our, boy, this week I've had some flesh, y'all. My flesh has told me to do things. And I was about to do it sometimes. 
and I'd get a phone call or I'd talk it out with somebody or the Holy Spirit would say, that's not what I want you to do. And it was tough. I struggled. But I'm so thankful that he said, don't do that. I'm, thankful. I'm not resenting him that he stopped me. I'm thankful he stopped me. Let him stop you. Let him start you in what you're doing. And you will, God will mature you. God will mature you. If you want to grow in Christ, the answer is in Christ. You don't have to look elsewhere. It's all in him. And we'll talk more about that next week, Lord willing. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your truth. I thank you, God, that we can, that you made the gospel simple. Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. But the living out of that is difficult. It's hard. And I don't know what situation everybody in this room is living in. I'm sure they have their own stories, just like I do mine. But, God, I know, I know that what you have said is true and is right and is good. And you are my Lord. I have received you. And you have planted me in Christ. I am a child of God because of what you've done. And now, God, I pray for help to see the truth, to hear the truth, and to live out the truth by your Holy Spirit, that you are both Lord and Savior and that you are good. And I pray, Father, that we would know that, believe that, and live that out, choose to live that out, and that you would be glorified because of it in Jesus' name.